bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of adjustment. But, but answer there, my question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits what a homicide and kills people up... Nah, if you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. Good afternoon and welcome. So we have a guest here who is an, an alumnus of, is, is, is that the right way to say that, Devin? You're an alumnus? <laughs> Alumni, uh, we're talking to Devin Jenkins. He's a certified project manager for GE Healthcare uh, and has done some phenomenal things in the city of Milwaukee. He's, a, of course, he's a member of the greatest fraternity in the world, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity <laughs> Incorporated. Um, we'll, we'll let him tell all that, all that background stuff. But I'm more interested because this is HBCU night here in Milwaukee with the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm interested in knowing, one, how you grew up and what led you to attend an HBCU. Uh, thank, thank you, Dr. Harris. Uh, Devin Jenkins, as, as Ken has stated here. Uh, so I grew up in Fitzgerald, Georgia. Uh, it's a small rural town about two and a half, three hours south of Atlanta, probably about an hour and a half, two hours north of the Florida border. Uh, but single mother, and my mother was a retired educator. She taught third grade for about 30 years uh, and did another four years with a program called Even Start uh, that was aimed at taking care of children who weren't quite school-aged yet um, of teen mothers who wanted to still finish their diploma or get their GED. So uh, education was always a priority in my mother's house. You know, I knew once I came home, like, the, don't even try to go outside and play if you haven't done your homework. <laughs> you know, so that's... Um, you no, know, growing up in Fitzgerald with, with her, that kind of got me started on education. And my mom actually went to Savannah State University. So she's an HBCU alum as well. But I didn't necessarily have plans on going to an HBCU. Um, I actually think I was planning to go to Georgia Tech because I was going to major in computer science and all of this. Uh, but I grew up in the Christian Methodist Episcopal Church. And for those who don't know, the CME Church has five schools that have historically funded through the CME Church. And one of those is Miles College. And the summer before my senior year, 2010, I was at the CME General Conference as an IT intern uh, with our Communications Information and, and Technology Department. And I met the president 
at that time with Miles College, Dr. George T. French Jr., uh, who's also a brother. Uh, but we talked for a few minutes, and he essentially told me if I wanted to come to Miles, I didn't have to worry about paying for anything. Uh, I didn't quite believe it at the time, but they did follow through on a presidential scholarship that spring. I um, mean, I went to visit Miles' campus, and I just loved how – uh, people knew students by name and vice versa. Uh, there were two groups of students who had just left. Um, one was, I think one had just left for India that morning. And another group had left for Arkansas, I believe, for a conference. And all this was all expense paid. So, okay, so I can come to Miles, uh, keep my grades up, I do well. I can get to travel the world on top of it. So, yeah, sign me up. So that's kind of what started the connection with Miles. I also received the Gates Millennium Scholarship through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, which still would have, which would afford me the opportunity to go anywhere I wanted to, essentially for undergrad. Uh, but just going to Miles on that campus visit, something just felt right. It felt special, and that's what led me to an HBCU. What helped you have the feeling that I that I sense from having gone to an HBCU that gave you that sense of confidence that you could do anything? I, I heard a lot of IT jargon in there, so <laughs> it so- sounds like they prepared you fairly well. Yeah. So, you know, being at Miles, that's, that's one thing that was instilled in us is, you know, have confidence. You are a mile in uh, and you you wear that with, with pride. We exhibit culture, class and civility everywhere we go. So that was instilled in us. And being at Miles, I was afforded a lot of opportunities to get in front of people and speak uh, be mentors for younger students, attend different events around the community um, that that taught me how to operate in certain circles and interact with people who I didn't expect to be interacting with me as an 18 year old in college. Um, so that kind of gives you a different type of confidence and swag about yourself. And then when we talk about being prepared you know, for the real world and entering you no know, careers, I, ma- I majored in management information systems while I was at Miles. And I, I pledged Alpha uh, my second semester, my freshman year, and my sophomore year, um, I was made aware of our College Life to Corporate Life initiative, which was a partnership with General Electric at the time, led by different Alpha brothers in the GE company. And I was accepted into that program, and that kind of led me into my corporate journey. Out of that experience, you know, I got a, uh, an internship, which took me to Milwaukee, which is my connection to Milwaukee and being there for seven years, no, because I ultimately stayed on with GE full time and I still am with GE Healthcare, even though we're a standalone company now. I have to say that for legal reasons. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so it was, I had a lot of exposure at Miles to opportunities that I don't think everyone gets everywhere that really prepared me to take on whatever came my way. So what Miles also gave you is the temerity to run for. Um, assistant vice president of an alpha region and when what what type of leadership did that uh, connect with miles and the fraternity in terms of you being in 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 executive leadership in the fraternity <laughs> that's a that's a great question <laughs> um, you know i was that was my senior year going into my no my junior year when I decided to run. And I actually, I went to my first district conference that fall, and it was in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, and I, that's, that's when I started to kind of see the structure of Alpha and the leadership opportunities that we have as college brothers um, in the fraternity. So at that time, I was going to run for assistant district director. And I was 
talking to, I went to lunch with a brother, Dr. Bruce Crawford, um, who was then, I think, vice president of, one of the vice presidents at Lawson State Community College. He's also an alum of Stillman uh, College, another HBCU in Alabama. And he's a former district director for Alabama. And when I told him I was planning to run for ADD, he's like, no, let's not do that. Let's go for the region. Let's go for a you know, assistant vice president. <laughs> so that's kind of what, what struck me up to do it. Um, but once I got in that role and I, and I won the election, so I went through the whole campaign process and been putting speeches together and getting people to support me at the regional convention. Um, but being in that role, Miles had prepared me for a lot of the experiences that I you know, encountered. I'm presiding over meetings and business sessions. Now, I was president of a number of organizations on campus, so leading meetings was nothing new to me. Um, and working with different people, you know, being in, in any campus, you're going to meet individuals from all over uh, the world. So you learn how to operate with different personalities and different cultures and appreciate those uh, differences and learn how to work together to accomplish common goals. So a lot of the preparation I got being in those different student organizations on campus, uh, being in organizations and growing up in the church back home, um, all culminated and prepared me to lead you know, Alpha at an international level as the Southern Regional Assistant Vice President. Um, still one of the top experiences I've ever had uh, gave me a new outlook on the fraternity in general and how we operate, why we operate the way we do. I um, mean, and still it was a an advanced lesson in mass networking that has helped me build relationships that they'll pay, play out in my favor even to this day. Uh, having moved around to a few different states, it's, it's been a blessing for sure. Can an HBCU give a black man or black woman the capacity to see what you saw that that there's an international uh, step that they can take that very few people can take, but that an HBCU gives you, I, I, I don't want to say it encompasses you, but it, it gives you, it, it allows you to be in a cradle of comfort that allows you to think you can basically do anything. Is that something that you got from Miles? Absolutely. Absolutely. My, my confidence coming out of Miles was far greater than when I went into Miles. Um, I wouldn't, I don't think I would ever say I thought I was incapable of anything, but Miles definitely cultivated that. And I think many HBCUs do that. You're surrounded by faculty and staff who are passionate about um, students and, and African-American students at that as that matter. Um, and it's a unique experience, it's experience because it's one of the last times you're in an environment that's majority uh, people of color and you learn that, you know, you're not in a situation where you're one of the only people in a room of high achievers or, or, or you know, just the things we encounter um, in the corporate world and in other spaces. Um, but you're, you're surrounded in a classroom full of people uh, who are just as smart as you, if not smarter, and um, who, who push you to be better. Um, so when you're in that type of environment, um, that that confidence, that will to succeed, that belief that you can accomplish anything, it gets cultivated. Um, by your staff and faculty who have a personal you know, interest in your success, and, and you can feel that, um, as well as other students who who you're you know, pushed push by, and it's encouraging um, just to know that there's a community of people 
who are successful and thriving and getting ready to make some real changes in the world. It was just a beautiful experience to be a part of that. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. We're on with Devin Jenkins. He is a, and and let let me correct myself because you didn't, certified product (laughs) manager um, and staff technical product manager at GE Healthcare. Not to be confused with GE because now you're a standalone company. (laughs) And by the way, congratulations on that because now you get to build with an upstart company, technically, a new public company that is uh, doing great things. So, Congratulations on that. When we come back, we want to talk to Devin about his um, digital business, his relationship building, his entrepreneurship, and more importantly, as a vibe curator. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. You are listening to The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Entrepreneurship Tuesday on Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is powered by We Energies, energy you can depend on. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. My guest this afternoon, once again, for Entrepreneurship Tuesday, uh, powered by We Energies, is Devin Jenkins. And he is the founder and CEO of Share the Vibes, LLC. And so, Devin, we, we were talking before the break about your experiences in the fraternity, your experiences, more importantly, with this being HBCU Day with the Milwaukee Bucks, that you started a business. First of all, I have to say this publicly. I hate you that you started this business because you started curating stuff and piled up my Spotify <laughs> so that so that I had to I had to decide. Look, I had to actually pay for the subscription so that I could make sure <laughs> that I had all of your lists in the proper way. Man, you you caused trouble with this. And so tell me how, how did this even start? Because you you started to you, you, you talk about on LinkedIn, you connect the intersectionality of music and technology. You were able to build a community that was so subtle that it's grown into this, this whole business. Tell us about that. Yeah, I've, I've always had a love for music. I grew up you know, in the church. I was in the choir and eventually started playing the drums at church. Um, I was in the band in middle and high school. I was percussion captain in my last two years. Um, and growing up with my mom, my mom was a, a little bit older and she didn't let me listen to much profanity. Um, so I heard the radio hits. I saw 106 in part. But outside of that, you know, I was listening to whatever she had in the car. So um, that was a lot of body and soul CDs or blues CDs, um, 70s, 80s, R&B, soul music type stuff, gospel. So uh, I've had a love for music and an exposure to music, you know, throughout my life. And going to Miles and HBCU, you know, that only grew. Uh, with the HBCU band culture. And uh, that's when I first started going to parties and joining the fraternity and stepping and you're experiencing music in different ways through those experiences. Um, So that's when I I really kind of started cultivating my love for music. And I would get the aux cord in the car and just play music. And once I got to Milwaukee, um, that's when I really started taking time to really listen to albums in full um, and starting to really appreciate projects and know the really the curation of music. And over time, I started to 
make my own playlist. Um, now I'm riding in the car, but like I know I wanna I wanna be able to just turn up leaving work on a Friday. So I wanted to have a, a curated list of songs that gave me that vibe. Or sometimes I might want to be a little more chill. So I started making playlists. Um, and over time, I started realizing that people enjoyed my playlist. So I started sharing them and curating special ones, sharing them on you know, Instagram, put them in the group me <laughs> uh, with the with the frat. Um, and, and it became like a thing. I became known as kind of the music guy you know, around my friend groups. So one day, um, well, maybe one year, it got to a point where as I was hearing you know, new music every Friday, I would be sending out about 15 to 20 different text messages to say, hey, have you heard this album? I think you should check it out. Or, uh, yeah, I know this song, this kind of like the vibe you tend to go for. Check this out. Let me know what you think about it. And they got pretty tedious. Um, so I said, there has to be a better way to do this. So I think that was May 2019, I believe. I made my Facebook group, the Share the Vibes Facebook group. Um, I think it started with somewhere between 20 and 40 people. And I would do the same thing there. I would drop songs I hear, albums I, I hear and I like, just drop it in the group um, so that people can get it. I'm going to check it out, comment on it. And other people started doing the same thing. So that's where the community of it all really started building. It was a Facebook group, uh, some of my friends and you know, some of their friends um, sharing music with each other that we like and think we would enjoy. Um, and then one day, you know how you have those shower thoughts? So I was in the shower one day and I say, hmm, I think I could turn this into a business. Not exactly sure what it looks like, uh, but uh, I started going for that. So over the next year, kind of put a business plan together um, and I got my LLC that following July of 2020, middle of the pandemic. Um, and Share the Vibes LLC was born. Uh, so my first few events were some Zoom calls where uh, you got on the call. I, we would set a theme uh, for each round, and everybody got to go around and play a snippet of a song based on that theme. And I put the playlist together of everyone's songs afterwards and shared it out. But the beauty of it was as we were going through that experience, I had I required people that you have to introduce yourself, you know, talk about a little bit about what you do or something. So people started to learn more about people that they weren't familiar with and then you attach a certain song that you like with somebody you hadn't met before and all of a sudden a new relationship is formed so that's really what share the vibes is all about is connecting people helping people build um genuine organic relationships using music and technology to do that well you you built your business around young professionals which 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 is offensive to me because you know i'm a certain <laughs> so you know no but but Seriously, you you built it around young professionals, but in a professional environment, there's some music that I can't listen to. And so do you curate music where if I'm caught at work or in a, you know, just trying to chill at work and get some work done, that that music is kind of conducive to the to the business environment? Yeah, yeah. So I, I could kind of curate whatever vibe is needed. Um so like I have a playlist that's called Let's Meet Outside of Work. <laughs> and that actually started because I had a, a work event one day. I think it was a Brewers game uh, tailgate. And uh, one of my coworkers was the one leading it. And she asked me to put a playlist together for it. Uh, so I actually sourced songs from the team. Uh, so you got some hip hop in there, some R&B, there's some pop in there, might be some folk, whatever uh, that people wanted. Um, so I, I, I curate clean vibes uh sometimes it's dirty so i got gospel playlists <laughs> i got no ratchet turn up playlist so um it's kind of whatever and you know the beauty of share the vibes is i i'm able to curate in different ways 
Um, so those who aren't familiar, we offer a few different services. I'm a professional DJ. Um, so I've DJ weddings. I've DJ the business conference and the Pfizer Forum where the Bucks play. I've DJ Greek night at the Brewers game. So I've DJed a, a range of events, but I, I DJ, I do playlist curation. So you can literally go through my website, submit a request uh, for the type of playlist you want. Um, if that's something you want to be safe at work or not, <laughs> you know, you can make that decision and we'll work from there. And then I also do uh, music based events, uh, music and technology focused events. And you know, the hallmark of Share the Vibes up until this point has been our inaugural Share the Vibes Music and Technology Festival held last summer in Milwaukee at Penrod Software. Uh, we had over 100 people come out that day and we highlighted local artists um, there in Milwaukee who were able to perform um, their music and get it in front of people who may not have been familiar with them before. We had a panel of music and business professionals talking about more of the business side of the music industry and you know making sure your paperwork is in order we had live podcasting throughout the day which you can hear on share the vibes podcast and on all your platforms and um, black business vendors were highlighted throughout the day and it was a great time but it was just a positive environment where people were able to hear music hear about new artists see dance see podcasting and these different technology elements as well uh, to have a well-rounded experience so that's what share the vibes is all about um, and how we're able to cater to different vibes and, and different needs of our customers. So I got a couple questions before I let you go. The, okay. the, 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 the first one is around your ability to be able to really create music that's a reflection of people. Mm -hmm. You mentioned health and being healthy in a community. How, how, how can your music assist someone let's let's say i've got a loved one who is who is who is ill but we also know that the power of music can literally change a person's environment change a person's mm -hmm. you know feeling and everything what 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 do you prescribe as it relates to the healthy side of music in terms of helping people yeah i think you put it a great way you know music has the power to shift the atmosphere, if you will. Um, it, you know, it's, it's it's vibe driven, which is essentially energy, and energy shapes all that we do. You know, we're big balls of energy. All of us are protons, electrons, and neutrons. So that's what keeps us going. So we're literally energy, and and music has the ability to shape that. So when you talk about if you have a loved one who's ill, and maybe they would love nothing more than to hear their their favorite. Luther Vandross songs while they're you know, having to be still for you know, a little while. And maybe that's the the piece of their day that they're able to look forward to that keeps them going, that gives them a sense of joy, uh, maybe lifts their spirits up, ease their mind, which could in turn you know, lower the blood pressure. Like you can get into some, some true health benefits when it comes down to music, but it's a tool. Uh, for some people, it's an escape. Uh, for some people, it's a creative outlet that gets your juices flowing, but that, that's the power of it. And um, based on what people need from me, uh, we can definitely curate playlists or, or vibes or, you know, DJ your event, whatever have you, um, in a way that is conducive to what you're looking to get out of that. One of my first playlist um, curation clients last year requested a playlist for a 5K. He was running. He was running his first 5K. And he wanted a playlist to help motivate him and get him through that. And he said it was great. And then he used it afterwards while he was in the gym. So that's the other piece of that health piece 
music is often a tool we use when we're working out and exercising to keep us motivated and, and going when we may not feel like it. So there's definitely health benefits to music and how you can leverage that in your own personal lives, depending on what your needs are and what you're trying to do. You're listening to Entrepreneurship Tuesday, powered by We Energies. Our guest is Devin Jenkins, founder and CEO of Share the Vibes. I'm I'm wondering, uh, how can people get in touch with you or join your online community? We're available a few ways. So on Instagram, uh, Share the Vibes LLC. Again, that's Share the Vibes LLC on Instagram. Uh, on Facebook, if you search Share the Vibes um, in your groups, one's going to pop up with a bunch of music emojis behind it. Um, you, you'll be you'll recognize the one there. Um, but we also have a website, which is sharethevibesllc.com. And on there, you can request um, our different services right there through the homepage. We have forms for, for all of the things we offer. Uh, we'll be coming back soon with some new merchandise that you can purchase as well. Um, and there you can connect with us via email. Uh, so if you do contact at sharethevibesllc.com, uh, that'll come to us, um, us being me <laughs> right now. Uh, but you can reach out via email, contact at sharethevibesllc.com, our website, um, Instagram, Facebook, and we're on LinkedIn as well. I'm Share the Vibes LLC on LinkedIn. All right. Well, thank you much. We're talking to Devin Jenkins. He's the founder and CEO of Share the Vibes LLC, connecting people through the intersectionality of music and technology. They're building a community of people with a focus around sharing music while they leverage technology to build meaningful relationships. Thanks for being on Entrepreneurship Tuesday. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app and 1017thetruth.com. is the number. So we are here live at the Potawatomi Club at the Fiserv for the HBC Unite with the Milwaukee Bucks versus some guys from Charlotte, some team. Uh, and uh, they're, they're versus the Charlotte Hornets. So we're going to be down here tonight. We are here, and then we'll be headed to the game so make sure you check it out. Um, it ought to be interesting. If you have tickets to the game, uh, it's 5.30. So I think y'all might be able to get in and come up and see us up in the uh, Potawatomi Club. So we're up here partying. We got music in the background. We got everybody, you know, working out. The, the teams are here. You can hear people laughing and screaming and hollering because they don't know I'm on the radio because they don't really care. But... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, no, we're having a good time. The entire truth team, the entire truth team is here, um, hanging out, chilling before the game. Got some great things. Michelle, the DJ, is going to be up here for Potawatomi Club, doing some great things. And um, 
If you don't have tickets, you're going to miss it. I'm just saying. 833-212-1017 is the number. So make sure you listen this week because we're going to be giving away tickets for Saturday's game. Don't tell nobody, right? We're going to be giving away tickets. So make sure you listen tomorrow and check it out because I think sometime we, we just might be having some stuff for y'all to uh, check out. So stay tuned and stay Engaged. 833-212-1017 is the number. So is it is it really that important? And I'm not talking about supporting an HBCU, but actually going to an HBCU. So I've got some information. Because you know, sometimes it does come down to data. What are what are students saying? What are people saying about historically black colleges and universities? I've heard and seeing some things in the talking text line that 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 kind of disturbed me um, that kind of made me made me think what are what are people actually thinking when they say something like um, HBCUs are you know shouldn't shouldn't be attended because of the you know the 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 cost and the the Education is subpar, which is just not true. It's just absolutely not true. So six reasons, and, and I'm saying that only because of the, the contact I've had with professors at HBCUs, with administration at HBCUs, even though I didn't attend one, and friends of mine who are presidents at HBCUs, and the outcome, working with people who went to an HBCU, working with um, adults who came out of HBCUs who are doing great things throughout America. So I found an article on the top six reasons to, to, to attend an HBCU. And Tory Lowe touched on it earlier during his show. It's about the community. Smaller higher ed institutions with close-knit communities. Schools that have fewer than 5,000 students are significantly closer and have more meaningful relationships with with classmates and really the professors, right? So you're able to understand um, the success that comes with that. That's just me. Um, The academics, we assume, we assume, but there are only 107 HBCUs represent 3% of the country's colleges Right. But when you look at some of those universities, you miss the fact that there are some universities with some significant uh, claims to fame. For instance, Hampton University has the largest proton therapy facility in the actual world. The theater department at Howard, untouched Uh, STEM programs. 25% 25% of all black graduates come from HBCUs. And, and believe it or not, black medical doctors, 92% of them went to either Xavier or Howard University Medical School. So when we, so when we talk about the things that we do in the black community and how it shapes us, HBCUs have always been at the forefront. Now, when we talk about affordability, college isn't cheap, right? So when we talk about um, 
paying for college, when we talk about paying for elementary school and we have school choice, think about this. The one place people never scream about school choice where you can take federal dollars and pay for somebody's education, that's in college. We actually use federal dollars, taxpayer dollars, to send you to a public, private, or parochial college. We'll use it, pay for it in full, and never think anything about it. So, so when it comes to that, it's expensive, and college tuition increases, especially over COVID, significantly. And black college graduates owe an average of $25,000 in school debt. That is true. However... On average, attending an HBCU is 28% less than attending a predominantly white institution. So if you go to a private white institution versus a private black institution, you'll find that the private white institution is 28, on average 28% higher. But then you have some state HBCUs like a Alabama State University, Fayetteville State, Alabama, A&M, things like that, right? They're covered by the Thurgood Marshall Fund. Private is covered by United Negro College Fund. So there are always ways for you to go to college. There, there are ways for you to figure out a way. Another one is the cultural connection. And so don't, don't be you know, shocked. The room is starting to fill up with students from HBC, from high schools and stuff like that. So just so you know, if you hear that background noise, that's what that is. We're, we're having a great time up here, down here at the Pfizer Forum. Institutions that are primarily white are not made for black students. HBCUs are. They're made for our culture. They're made for us to connect. They aim to position us where we fully understand not only school, but we understand ourselves. And the homecoming. Have you ever been to HBCU homecoming? Have you been to Circle City Classic? By far, the best place you can ever be is at an HBCU for homecoming. It's phenomenal. It's, it's outstanding. But lastly, think of the legacy that HBCUs have that attract students. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King went to Morehouse College, Oprah Winfrey, Tennessee State. Vice President Kamala Harris pledged Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, Howard University. These are the types of things and the types of people that HBCUs have put into the world to make the world a better place, make the country a better country, and to do the things that they were trained to do on par with many institutions. When we come back, I want you to look at and I want to talk about the significance of the value of a black college or university. We talk about some of those things as it relates to, um, you know, it's been almost 200 years and we have HBCUs. But what we want to look at is the ability to figure out and understand exactly what things we need to know beyond the classroom but that are more career-focused that support black students at historically black colleges and universities. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. We're live at the Fiserv Forum for HBCU Night. When we come back, we'll talk about career focus, what's going on here at the uh, Fiserv Forum, 
maybe holler at a few people and see what's going on. But more importantly, we'll be here with you. 833-212-1017 is the number. More of The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harrison is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. So before the break, we were talking about HBCUs and why you should go to school. We are here live at the Fiserv Forum for the HBCU night. People are starting to fill in. Students are starting to come up. I see, you know, folks from looks like Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. I can also see from Iota Phi Theta. So yeah, it's starting to it's starting to fill up up in here in the in the Potawatomi Club. So we're having a good time down here. Uh, the Bucks play the Charlotte Hornets tonight. Uh, it is full. We got the Truth family down here. We got Truth Nation down. It's gonna be. What word y'all use now, Kyle? It's gonna be. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Cracking. Oh, my <laughs> mic was down. Oh, cracking! That's it, cracking. I don't really know the yeah, hip words old. now. There's a word that people yeah, are saying it. now that I, I just don't know where it came from. Ain't you a millennial? You an old millennial, all right? Eight three three two one two one zero one seven is the number. You know, uh, I'm gonna hit the talking text line before I get out of here. I gotta speed up though. Uh, there's some key findings that we should remember about. Um, uh, being a consumer of education, being a consumer of something like an HBCU. We need to remember that self-reported outcomes for black HBCU alumni and students are stronger than those from black alumni from non-HBCUs. In order, it, it, it's, it's, around, it's across a wide range of dimensions, um, but the overall satisfaction and development of valuable skills self-reported from alumni is stronger from HBCUs. Number two, student and alumni at HBCUs experience community engagement, faculty engagement, staff engagement, mentor engagement, professional engagement that supports the development of their careers at a greater level than their peers at non-HBCUs. In other words, when you see people who look like you and they struggle, you tend to want to help them significantly more. It's the same thing with whites. It's the same thing with black, Hispanic, Asian, Christian, Jewish. It, it, it really doesn't matter. We, what we see is what will be. When we struggle, we help people that look like us faster than we do. Depends, but all things being equal, not necessarily a negative, but it's something that occurs in our life because we are social creatures. Number three, black students are more actively engaged in career development activities. Um, there are many black organizations. For instance, if, you're, if you want to be an engineer, right, there's NSBE, National Association of Black Engineers. If you want to be an accountant, there's a Black Data Processors Association. You know, all those, all those organizations for blacks that allow them to understand things from an understandably cultural way and so he thinks that that's important but we also have where research experiences and digital literacy are two noticeable areas 
where HBC students are less likely than their non-HBCU peers to report value. And so what, what, what needs to happen is there needs to be greater investment into the Thurgood Marshall Fund and UNCF. We have to make sure every student that goes to an HBCU graduates. Also, membership in a black Greek letter organization by far continues to be the way that many of our black students are able to excel. By that, I mean that their black Greek letter organizations at their particular universities and colleges tend to hold higher GPAs than other organizations. So usually when you go to a school like a UW-Madison, of all the Greek letter organizations, usually Alpha Phi Alpha Gamma Epsilon chapter holds the highest GPA at that university. Why? Because education and academics is, in, is, is the most important thing for you when you're in college. And so if that's the game that they play, academics, then that's the game that you actually use. And so what happens is when you join a black Greek letter organization, you're stressed to do better. You're stressed to go to class. You're stressed to get your homework done and get all those things done so that you can graduate and become a a productive member of society. Finally, alumni of HBCUs are more satisfied with their educational experiences than black alumni at other institutions. The satisfaction translates into what? Higher ratings of quality, value for the institution they attend. The Urban Institute analysis of Strata Education Network data compared to their peers who attended other institutions, black HBCU attendees are particularly more likely to report they learned important skills they use day to day and believe that their education makes them an attractive candidate to employers. This combination of satisfaction, I believe, with the quality and the value in addition to the enduring benefits in professional and day-to-day interaction, I think is a strong endorsement of an educational experience at historically black college or university. And we have to remember that. That's why we're here today. That's why there's an HBCU night at the Pfizer Forum for the Milwaukee Bucks. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. Let me get back to the talking text line, because earlier throughout the day, we've been talking about this Memphis shooting and how we're doing, uh, looking at the evidence, looking at the case, uh, looking at the things behind the scenes that, that really need to come to the forefront. Miss Yolanda said, thank you. And I think she was believing about, she was, she was speaking to the person who texted in about the the boy-girl issue between the victim and one of the officers. And he said, it's only a rumor that shouldn't even be part of the conversation. But personally, I feel that this is the culture of policing. Rather, what ethnicity you are. It's the culture of policing. Like you said, it has a lot to do with the supervision and all that partook in this hideous crime. I, I think I need more information when you talk about the culture of policing. Because 
700,000 cops, 500,000 cops throughout the day, and this doesn't happen every day. So I don't know if you can extrapolate and say all cops and this is the culture when percentage-wise, I hate to use data like this, especially when someone died, but percentage-wise, it's significantly low. I don't know if we can do that. I don't know if we can do that. Talking text line, Felix said, I'm with you, Dr. Ken. Let the investigation go on. Try to uncover the truth. But more importantly, what Felix says is right. He should be alive today and with us. Rest in peace, Tyree Nichols. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. Make sure you turn on the TV if you can't make it down to the Fiserv Forum. We're live at, H- at HBC Unite. Milwaukee Bucks play the Charlotte Hornets. God bless. Take care. Thank you, Kyle Wallace. Alex, appreciate you. God bless. Take care. Truth family, we're out here hanging out. We'll be here probably till the game is over. So make sure you check it out. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'll see you in 22 hours. Tori Lowe shows up next. I'm out.